sense of new birth, the prophetic word that God's doing something new. But at the same time, we're taking it very seriously. And we are um, meeting as leaders. I'm going to be meeting with all the leaders in this church. We started last week with a meeting. And I'll be meeting all the leaders in the church over the next three, four weeks to discuss um, the process. Because we know the what. We just don't know the how. The what is we're planting churches in Durban. They're going to take this message and proclaim it boldly. The message of the gospel of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a message worth proclaiming. Amen? So we know the what. Whereas, and someone at the meeting, we had some of the leaders on, on Monday night, asked, well, when did this new vision start? And I, it was a very good question, because I'd answer it by saying, it's not a new vision. It's the vision we've always had as a church. Save souls, make disciples, release leaders. But releasing leaders meant uh, in the local church and in the business world and then maybe planting churches far off. The only part of that that now has been adjusted is that we believe we've also got a mandate to plant churches east, west, north and south in this city. That's the the main difference in terms of releasing leaders. And we want to do that very carefully with integrity. We want to do it wisely. We don't want to do it the way we've always done it before. So we're consulting with leaders in the church and also we're consulting with leaders and pastors in the city. We've met with a couple already as elders and we're still going to be meeting with a few over the next couple of weeks. I've also been on the phone to guys that I know love this church. Guys like Greg and Michelle Haswell in Atlanta who I know love this church. So we've been seeking counsel, seeking wisdom, bouncing ideas and uh, very excited about brooding over this new baby God wants this church to be part of. This is not just taking a few people and sending them off. Cheers, have a great life. This is something this church is doing. We are giving birth together to something in the city that we're still going to be part of and they're going to be part of us. That's a very exciting time. Thank you for your prayers and ongoingly, amen. Alright. Uh, all the way from still by, <laughs> we welcome to our shores of KwaZulu Natal, our dear friend and co-pastor, Sherwin Arnold. Those of you who don't know him, by now you should really get saved. But um, <laughs> Sherwin's a, a great blessing and it's great to have him back on the team here. As you know, he was away for six years uh, in, in a planning and transitioning a church, but it's great to have him with us. Can you reach out your hand as we just pray as he brings the word this morning? Father, we thank you for Sherwin. Thank you for Anne. We thank you for what you've deposited in them. And we pray as he opens his mouth, words would be given to express that today. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Now I should be. There we go. Wired sound. Am I echoing? My head is empty. but the Holy Spirit's going to fill it. I wrestled this week as Steve asked me to share uh, something this morning on this special day. And obviously with a topic like this, there are various ways that one can go about talking about the subject. And um, I, I, want to, I want to take a, perhaps a particular avenue 
And I've called my sermon this morning, Behold Your Mother. I think there are two things that are absolutely certain about every single one of us in this building this morning. And the first one is that somewhere in the process of time and in our lives we're going to die. The other one is that all of us have a mother. Um, I've, I've said I, at one stage I started to do the family tree of my father's side of the family and uh, I couldn't find anything and I've kind of drawn a conclusion that our family hatched out from under a rock somewhere. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I have a mother, um, so somewhere in the origin of thing, uh, I, I have a question mark right now. But that is the reality, that every one of us has a mother. And it's been God's design from the very beginning, that this is the way, uh, right from Adam, that man should multiply and increase in the earth. Just a huge tragedy, I think, in this day and age that we live in, that the world is trying to distort uh, the beauty of motherhood, particularly through same-sex marriages. Uh, but the reality is that they cannot reproduce, that only God's way works, and uh, that every child that is born has a mother. And I think today, just by virtue of the day that it is and what it is called, the focus is on mothers. And I just felt during the week that and I know for a fact that right here in this place that there are many women who are here and they are not mothers. And I really felt to honour women, um, particularly uh, just in general, uh, to honour women. I, and I'm sure you've been aware that we live in a day and age when uh, women are the victims of all kinds of abuse all over the world. And probably it's never been as bad as it is right now that the female gender has, is a victim of so much abuse. So I felt that I just wanted to honor women. Um, some women are single because they, they're not married yet. And uh, my daughter's one of those. Some are single by choice and, and I, there's a grace of... And it's a gift of grace from God to be like that. Some are single painfully because of divorce. And others are single tragically perhaps through death. That they find themselves alone in this life. But I believe that there is a grace from God for all those situations. And that's why I wanted to start with women in general and perhaps finish with mothers in particular. The title says, John 19 verse 27, Behold your mother. As Jesus hung on the cross and he saw Mary, his mother, his earthly mother, standing below him and with his beloved disciple John alongside her, he said to them, to the disciple, he said, Behold your mother. And to her, he said, Behold your son. And it goes on to say there, that from that day forward the disciple took Mary into his house. And I, I just had a sense out of that that Jesus was honouring all of women, that he was honouring his earthly mother right there, but I think there was an honour that went to all women and to the glory of God. I wanted to start by perhaps painting a picture of a brief history of, of women, if you like. In the Old Testament we have a picture of the very first marriage and we all know the story well. 
and we know that sin destroyed what God had ordained. Something beautiful, the relationship between a man and a woman, and the curse came upon them. And I just want to pick up uh, in Genesis 3.16, and I think the scripture will come up, um, just on the, 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 the word that was God's word spoken over Eve's life, the curse, if you like. And just to focus in on something, to the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now when you read that second part of that verse, at first glance it doesn't sound like a curse. It sounds like a blessing, you know, that the woman's desire will be for her husband. But in the original language it actually means your desire will be to control your husband. The second part of that is equally confrontational in the sense that it says, and he will rule over you. So right there you've got World War III. Um, and, and, and it's been the sad story of, of men and women down through the ages that there has been, because of the sinful nature, because of that curse, there has been, in the darkness within, there has been this desire to control a husband. And obviously, the husband, by virtue of his call and his role in God, it says he will rule over you. And so, I, I guess, if you've been long, married longer than a week, you probably know something about that uh, little bit of um, he said, she said stuff. Um, but it's been a war of the sexes ever since. Um, and it's just the plight of fallen man. It's the way it is. It's been the history of mankind. But it's an ever-increasing thing. From right then, 2,000 years later, there is this ever-increasing momentum of the destruction of this relationship that is ordained by God to be such a beautiful thing. And obviously the family life um, as this battle continues. And tragically, it's, it's in the life of a church as well. Um, but this, just this roller coaster um, of abuse and it's an abuse between men and women and the reality is that abused people abuse people. And I'm not condemning anybody or judging anybody. It's just a fact of life. But it is a cycle that is continuing helter-skelter. If we look at the, continue with the Old Testament, we, we see there that even though Israel were the people of God, called by God, His people, um, they, He was their God, they degenerated to a place where a wife could be divorced for just about anything. And uh, perhaps the word uh, disposable is probably applicable, that a man could divorce his wife for just about anything. Burn the toast, cheers kid, you're out of here. And um, get another one who doesn't burn the toast. And, and it had degenerated to that kind of place. And Jesus actually addressed this situation um, and he spoke about their hard, stubborn, godless hearts were the cause of that, that situation. In Matthew 19 verse 8, Jesus said, Moses permitted divorce as a concession to your hard-hearted wickedness, 
but it was not what God had originally intended. So the intention of God was that when men and women are joined in marriage, that that's the way it should be. But this whole thing of hard-hearted wickedness in, in the people of Israel had reduced that relationship that was so beautiful in the eyes of God to something that could be disposed of at a drop of a hat. I remember working for a company uh, when I still was in the business world that at a particular stage in the company you were called an optimist if you took your lunch to work. And, and maybe, you know, a wife, if she got up and made breakfast, she was being an optimist as well in those days. I don't know. But that's how easy it was. But then Jesus came. Jesus came and he changed everything. I was going to show some of the examples of, of the, the ministry of Jesus to women. But the, the, to sum it all up, Jesus restored the dignity the value and the identity of women. And you see that right through the Gospels. And I think that is something that society today is crying out for. Is this restaurant, women are screaming out for it perhaps, but not realizing that the real issue is not that men are from Mars and women are from Venus or wherever they came from, but that it's, it's a result of sin and a curse that was put on. It's got nothing to do with a person. I don't love you anymore, the Hollywood style. Wonderful marriage, six weeks later, don't love him anymore, move on, find another one, and, and so it goes. It's got nothing to do with the person. It has everything to do with what is on the inside. And I really do believe that in this day and age, I, I, can't, I think it was Bill Hybels may have said, he said, the church is the hope of the world. And I, re I really do believe that, that we as the church need to come to the place in this day and age that, where we live, that we need to show the world out there what marriage truly can be between a man and a wife. And it's because of Jesus. It's because of what he came and did for us, set us free from that curse. It's broken over our lives and it's time for us to show the world godly relationships down through the pages of history and, and even today women have been and still are the victims of all kinds of abuse um, I just pondered that for a minute and thought that they obviously I, I, we've had and over the last couple of years in this country 16 days of you know against abuse to women and children and somehow more abuse happens in those 16 days than outside of it because it's just the efforts of man to try and fix something that only God can fix. But men have been guilty of, and I, no, maybe I should word that a little differently, males have been guilty of using their physical strength to dominate women because of that curse way back then of dominating and abusing women with violence. And we all know and have heard and see the statistics of that. And I chose the word males because real men don't do those kind of things. Males may, but men don't. And, and we need to be those kind of men in the church that show forth that kind of an example. And then there's an emotional abuse. And this one's perhaps a little bit more subtle. Um, I'm just aware, and it was something that I heard many years ago, 
but just a way of um, how men tell jokes about women. Um, we all know them, we've heard them, we laugh at them maybe, but they are jokes at the expense of women in front of them, including our wives. And it robs them little by little of their worth and their identity and their dignity. You know, the ones like a woman's place is in the kitchen, you know, keep her pregnant, barefoot and chained to the stove or I don't know, all, all these silly things. And the reality is they're not funny. They are not funny. Um, we, as, as certainly as Christian men, we need to honour our wives and that's to speak good things about them. Jokes are, are, are a subtle way, can be a subtle way of destroying the identity of a person. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm you. No words can kill you. Just those words spoken often enough, and, and I'm talking to men this morning in, in that context, is just leave those jokes alone and, and honour your wife because that thing is a dishonour to women in general and certainly to your own wife. It's just not funny. And I think because men generally have been guilty of failing in their treatment of women in general, uh, their own wives, daughters, we've seen a rise of feminism. If you've been, a, We know the whole story of fem- feminism, a rising up against this male domination, the male-dominated world, where women, women are trying to prove uh, that they are we- equal to if not better than men, um, in, in, in whatever aspect of life. And uh, we see it now, women playing soccer, women playing rugby, um, drinking, swearing, um, as, as good as the men do, kind of thing, to try and establish some kind of equality, to get back an identity which has been taken from them uh, in so many different ways. A story I heard about a man who held open a door one day. He opened the door to allow a lady to walk through and uh, in, in true, shall we say, 90s or current age, she said to him, you didn't have to do that because I'm a lady. And he said, I didn't do it because you were a lady, I did it because I'm a gentleman. And uh, there's, a, there's a story behind that. And, and, and that's, it's, yeah, that's what it's all about. Um, true Christianity um, is the only system of belief, and I don't want to use the word religion, but can do, but it's the only belief system or religion in the world that gives dignity to women. If you think about it, there are nations around the world that rob women of their identity, just in the way they dress. Um, and they are disposed of, uh, just as they were in, in, in Old Testament days. <clears throat> Galatians 3 verse 28 says that in the sight of God, men and women are equal in worth. Different in role and abilities, but equal in worth in the sight of God. And I, I just wanted to say this perhaps. 
ladies, stop trying to be a man. Stop trying to compete with a man. God never created you that way. Um, My daughter has the same. Any woman who wants to be equal to a man has no ambition. Um, I didn't say anything when she said that. Um, Otherwise, World War III would have been there again. Um, So I I just kept very quiet. Uh, But that, that was her whole take on the thing. And I think too for men is just to stop expecting women to be equal to a man in terms of ability and what they are capable of doing. If anything, men need to protect their wives and I'll touch on that. I think that there's a sadness in in modern day life right now is that where are the ladies? Uh, And I'm not talking to you. It's, It's evident who you are. But the whole, the world today is full of butch females. It's true. Striving to be something God never intended them to be. Trying to compete with men in achievement instead of becoming the woman that God created them to be and to be secure in that identity. The book of Titus talks about older ladies teaching daughters how to be a good wife. And that can be a mother teaching a daughter or just older woman within the church context teaching younger ladies how to be a good wife. But there's another side to that that isn't said there but I believe is implied elsewhere in Scripture maybe. A father gives his daughter her identity. I believe that. Because how does a girl who has grown up in a fatherless home, and maybe absent physically or or there, but how does she relate to a father God when that image on earth is so damaged? And it's, again, no condemnation, no judgment, but it's the reality of the world that we live in today. Uh, Very often in counselling situations where there's a, a problem in relationship between a man and a wife, One of the first questions, certainly I would ask, is to the woman to say, what was your relationship with your father like? And nine times out of ten it was not a good one. A father gives his daughter her identity as a woman. He brings security into her life. Her identity is secure. Her dignity is secure because her father has sown that seed into her life and honoured her for who she is. Instead of her trying to make her be the son that he never had, um, just to make her be the woman that she should be. I remember hearing Chris Vinant saying this, and I say his name because he said it in public. He raised daughters and uh, he didn't know how to do this thing and, and obviously sought counsel and and sought the Lord often. But his, his comment was this, and it's a true one, is that he didn't one day want to walk down the aisle with his daughter to the man that she was going to marry and say, good luck, pal. You don't want to do that. A man, a father, that's his privilege to walk down the aisle with his daughter knowing that he has made her the woman 
there's going to be a blessing to her husband. The Bible gives many general instructions about honour. And I think none more powerful than 1 Timothy 5, where Paul is talking, I think I've got it, it's also on the overhead, um, 1 Timothy 5 verses 1 and 2, where Paul is talking to Timothy, a young man, a leader in the church in Ephesus, and he says these words to him, and it's all about honour. He says, do not rebuke an older man harshly. How is that thing messed up today? But exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, whether they married, single, divorced, a widow, whatever. Treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And I think there's a whole lot that can be said around those verses uh, applicable to life. Uh, that we need to understand and that's not the purpose of today. But there's something of in there uh, for young people and I guess for anybody um, is to, to treat older people with respect and treat older women as mothers, um, young men as brothers, fellow young men as brothers and younger women as sisters. The world's got that one very wrong. This is the way it should be in the church to one another and our example, if you like, our practice with people outside of the church. Uh, an older man, yeah, the older man, the older woman and so on. And then I think more specifically, again that will come up, we all know the scripture out of 1 Peter chapter 3, in the context of marriage, in the New Living Testament it says, you husbands must give honour to your wives. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life, that gift of grace. If you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. Couldn't be said any clearer than that. But there's a very powerful challenge to men to live right with the, what God has created. You know, he made man and he created woman. And people talk about that one. And, uh, but I think it suggests something of the value that God places on woman. I think Christian men need to guard themselves against the spirit of the world. This world that we live in. We live in this world and spend more time in the world, if you like, than we do anywhere else. And I think there's a, a, we need to guard ourselves as Christian men um, where, where the spirit of the world says that a woman is your equal and you need to compete against her. I remember working with a lady in the business world as well and, and she, for, for want of a word, she was coarse. She swore like a trooper. She was in management and we got to talking one day and she said to me, you know, I hate the way I am. She said, I was put in a boarding school at the age of six and I had to survive. And that, that process of her life, it was a fight for survival, not just as a woman, but a woman in a, in a male-dominated world, certainly in the business world. And she was the most aggressive 
female, one of the most aggressive females I've ever come across. And there was nothing pretty about it at all. And I didn't coerce her. It was just something that she volunteered. And that's where I think a husband can play such a, a part in, in reaffirming and guarding our wives against the spirit of the world that says a woman must become equal with a man. One of the, one of the highest causes, one of the main causes today of cancer amongst women is stress. And I really do believe that a part of that thing is the stress that they are exposed to that God never put in them. And their ability to cope with things. They are the weaker vessel. The Bible said that. But exposed to a lot of stresses in life. And we as Christian husbands need to guard our women and not be the perpetrators of that stress, but to guard our women, our, our wives so that she doesn't try and become a man in order to be recognized and accepted. That she revels in her womanhood, if you like. How many men, married or single, place a performance expectation on the woman in their lives? How many men throw their toys when their expectation is not met? It all creates a pressure that is unnecessary. It becomes a performance-based relationship which is destined to doom. I was at a wedding. I shared at a wedding just recently and asked a couple why they wanted to get married. And they said, because they love one another. And I said, it's not enough. It's, it's more than that. It's got to be more than that. Because that kind of love is the Hollywood love that's subject to up and down. Love you, hate you, get out of my life, come back into my life. Depends on circumstances. The reality of a commitment in a wedding ceremony is a commitment to love. Unconditionally. Because that's, if we read Ephesians 5, the context of husbands and wives and Jesus and the church, the whole context there is the unconditional love that Jesus has for his church. I'm glad he's not looking at performance right now and basing his relationship with us on how we perform. It's grace and grace alone. And that's how a man should love his wife. Grace. And more grace. In fact, lay down your life, the Bible says, to that point. That this precious gift that God has put in our lives, it's not good for man to be alone. Men, we are incomplete without the woman that we're sitting next to. That the Bible says that. So you only half a job. And uh, you need the other half to make it a complete, a complete whole. I think that as we just understand this whole thing about the grace of God and become certainly as men that we extend that grace as we are the head of our homes, as Jesus is the head of the church, that we extend that grace to the gift that God has given to us that walks alongside us through life. I had a long list of what one woman claimed that she did. I was tired at the end of it. Um, just reading the thing and, and it's a fact uh, women live that kind of life 
And that's why we want to honour you today. I think as we experience and taste and know the grace of God living in this New Testament commandment to love unconditionally, that it changes life. It changes the way we live life. It changes our relationships within a family and certainly uh, between a husband and a wife. And ultimately God gets the glory. And that's really what it's all about, that God gets the glory. The world says that honor is a day, today. Tomorrow, business as usual. Today, you will not be able to buy a rose anywhere in town. All the restaurants are booked. So if you haven't booked, they booked. Tomorrow, they empty. That's the way of the world. And it's great that we honor women the way we are today. But if, if, if honor is not a lifestyle, then it's empty. It's shallow. Uh, it's meaningless. It's not about roses and restaurants. It's about a lifestyle, a commitment to honor one another. At the Father's Day is a couple of weeks ago. It works both ways. It's a lifestyle of the heart to honor. And so, in coming to a close, just want to say, ladies, married, single, we honor you today. And we thank you for the contribution that you make to our lives, uh, to the lives of children, the difference that you make just in your world. And you, if you are just a housewife, then you have a noble task. A noble, noble task. Don't let anybody look down on you because you are just a housewife. There is nothing more noble than that. Outstanding work. I'm just sitting here thinking, um, I know this is a Mother's Day, but it felt more like a men's day today. (laughs) So if you were sitting there like I was making a list of things I need to put right and do right and get right. You felt that feeling of, gee, I know there's a better way to do this thing. Then the worst thing we can do is leave with a list of things that we think we can go and do to make it right. But what we can do is say, God, you're going to do a miracle in my heart. Yeah, amen. Because you, when Paul cried out in his weakness, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. Because where you're weak, I'm going to make you strong. Amen. So I I really want to ask you to pray I know we've done a lot of prayer for the women, wives and mothers. And, but can we pray for men who are just feeling in their heart, God, I've I got to get this thing right. Uh, maybe I've had a distorted picture of, of women, even at a subconscious, subconscious level of, of, of kind of not a healthy place, just the way I look at them, the way I think about them, the way I talk about them, the way I talk to them, and, and all covered over with this veneer of, of humor. God, you, you need to change my heart. Because I can leave here with New Year's resolutions yeah. and they only last yeah. till next week. But yeah. if you change my heart, yeah. that makes all the difference. So if you as a man sitting here this morning, married or not, uh, uh, you need to receive this. Sure. Amen. Yeah. Father, we just want to honor you, first of all, in this place and in all of our lives, individually and as families. And Lord, we know that it is by grace and grace alone 
that we are able to become what you, you want us to be, conformed to the image of your Son. It's not a list, so there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And yes, Lord, uh, a broken world has damaged many men, many women in this place. And we can but offer up our lives to you and say, Lord, more grace. As we humble ourselves before you, recognizing some of the things in our own lives, it's not through our own effort. It's not by a list. It's, it's by coming to you and saying, Lord, I humble myself before you today. And you have said you will pour out more grace. More grace. And work those things into our lives where we need to be changed. Because you are the author of change. We are not. And so Lord, it's eternal change that we want in all of our lives this morning. That you would come, Spirit of God, and touch each one of our lives. You know us by name this morning as we offer up our lives to you and say, Lord, would you do the work? We rest in your work, acknowledging that we are weak, but in that place you are strong. And so, Lord, won't you change us? Won't you take your word this morning and let it be good seed sown in good soil to produce much fruit that brings glory and honor to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.